grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the New Testament reading of 1 Corinthians, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, there used to be a time when every wedding I went to, you would hear 1 Corinthians 13 read. I would probably tell you that this isn't the case so much anymore, and that's for two reasons. Either because, number one, the wedding is not taking place in a church, not being performed by a pastor, because the bride and groom are not Christian, so there's no scripture involved. Or, number two, because the couple chose not to have these verses read at their wedding. I did a quick survey of the last 13 weddings I performed, since we're in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, and only four of those weddings featured 1 Corinthians. And since it's entirely possible you haven't heard these verses in a while, let's dig into them a little bit better. But we won't be just focusing on the, the bride and groom and their love for one another, as you sometimes hear at weddings. We'll be focusing on the bride, the church. That's you. And the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. And since we're also so close to Valentine's Day, it's certainly a good time to talk about love and what love is. So I did a quick search on some quotes about love, and these are some of the ones that I found. Where there is love, there is life. Gandhi. All you need is love, but a little bit of chocolate now and then doesn't hurt. Peanuts cartoonist Charles Schultz. Love isn't something you find. Love is something that finds you. Loretta Young. She's an actress from many, many years ago. Finally, love has nothing to do with what you are expecting to get, only with what you are expecting to give, which is everything. A little more famous actress, Katherine Hepburn. Now, we're not going to dig into these quotes at all and see how accurate they may or may not be, Though certainly you might have your thoughts, because we're going to go directly to the source of love. I mean, after all, we do here in John, 1 John chapter 4, God is love. And if God is love, then he probably has a few things to say about love. We heard these words from 1 Corinthians. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And then that chapter ends with, So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. When we hear these verses in the context of a wedding, we're, we're hearing them as if they're being spoken to the bride and groom, as if this is the way of life in their marriage, that these are the acts of love that they are going to perform for their partner in their marriage relationship. Many of you are married, and maybe you had this read at your wedding. And so you can think about these words in the context of your own marriage relationship with your spouse. Some of you are not married. 
or are not yet old enough to be married. So you can think about these words in the context of your relationship with all people. And so all of us married people can as well. So, how am I doing in regards to love? How are you doing in regards to love? Well, think about where you are in life right now. Your daily life, your interactions with others, your relationships. Love is patient. Am I patient? Well, I lost my cool with my children multiple times this week because they are the slowest moving creatures on the face of this earth, especially when I'm in a rush. How's that? Or when I was driving every day this week and I was behind the slowest moving person on the face of this planet and I couldn't pass them. Actually, I think I saw my children pass them. That's how slow they were driving. And I was thinking nice things about them the whole time, for sure. How's that? Love is kind. Am I kind? Well, you try dealing with whiny children 24-7 and see how kind you can be. Do I speak kindness all the time, or am I critical and judgmental and not very polite? Love does not envy. Do I envy? Do I get jealous of what other people have because they have more than me? Do I get jealous of the relationships that people have because they have more friends than me and I'm alone most of the time? Do I get jealous of all of the marriages that have lasted longer than mine because it didn't last in the end? Do I get jealous of all of the families with children because I'm not able to conceive? Do I get jealous of all of those people who are never sick when I get sick all the time and I feel like I cannot leave my house? Love does not boast. Do I boast? Well, I mean, come on. If you had my life, wouldn't you be proud of it? And it's not actually boasting if it's true, right? Well, yes, I have more than everyone else, but I worked hard for it, so I should be able to enjoy it, right? I mean, and I don't intentionally throw it in the face of others. It's just always there in their face. Love is not arrogant. Am I arrogant? Does this sanctuary have enough room for your ego? Or is your ego so full that we need more space for it? I mean, we've only touched on a few of these things, but are you already sitting there thinking that none of this applies to you and that none of it will apply to you and so you're just going to tune out everything I have to say? Love is not rude. Am I rude? Well, I'll certainly be rude to someone if they're rude to me. I know they say two wrongs don't make a right, but whoever said that was wrong. And it's not rude if I'm just being assertive in order to get my own way, because that's the only way. Love does not insist on its own way. Did you just hear what I said? Do I insist on my own way? Is it my way or the highway? 
Is my way the only way to do something so that it's done right? And that you have to do it exactly the way I do it? Do I hover over the shoulder of all of my coworkers to make sure that it's done my way? And do I correct all of their mistakes because it wasn't done my way, even if they're not technically wrong? I mean, I know they say there's more than one way to bake a cake, but, I mean, did you go to culinary school? Because I did not, but I've watched plenty of baking shows on TV, so I know what I'm talking about. Just do it my way. Love is not irritable. I'm only irritable because I'm sleep-deprived or I had a, a bad day at work, or a bad week at work, or I've just been feeling off recently, or the last two years. It's not actually my fault, and don't you dare tell me that I get offended easily. And if you tell me to calm down or chill out one more time, I am going to lose it. But it's not my fault because I warned you. Love is not resentful. I don't resent the fact at all that someone who was less qualified and had fewer years in the company than I did got the promotion. And I definitely don't resent the fact that it happened 20 years ago. I'm not holding on to that at all. Do I resent the fact that I have to be up every 30 minutes in the middle of the night to take care of my newborn when my husband just keeps on snoring right along and doesn't hear a thing? Do I resent the fact that I have to carry my weight and my partner's weight in our relationship all the time? Not at all. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Listen, when someone gets in trouble for doing something wrong, well, then they had it coming. And why can't I have a little joy in that? Also, what's wrong with a little lie here and there if no one's getting hurt that bad? Also, truth is overrated in our world today because, I mean, there's no such thing as absolute truth anyway. There's, there's your truth and there's my truth, and, well, it's all subjective. Plus, we know your truth is wrong anyway, and I don't really care what you have to say. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, Love never ends. How many marriages have ended because I just don't love you anymore, or at least not like I used to? How many marriages have ended because it was too hard and I couldn't endure it anymore? How many relationships have ended because you keep hoping for the other person to change and that change never came? How many relationships have been torn apart because it's easier to end the relationship than to keep pushing through the hard stuff. I mean, you know, the for better or worse. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. If I were to ask you what you were best at, would it be love? Because I don't think that's what I'm best at, unless we're talking about loving myself first and foremost then yes, I'm, I'm pretty great at loving myself. But loving God and, and others? That one's a little less great. All right, confession time. I'm a sinner. 
And I've been a sinner since the time I was conceived in my mother's womb. I've sinned more times than I can count. I don't love God with my whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I certainly don't love my neighbor as myself. And what I justly deserve for my sins is eternal punishment. It's death. It's hell. It's forever being separated from God who is love. And this is what we all deserve, because we're all sinners. Even if you don't think you fit in with any of those First Corinthians things, even if you think you're pretty good at loving, you've still sinned elsewhere. And even if you've only sinned once in your entire life, you've broken the entire law, according to James. So what do we do? We confess. God, we have not been patient. We have not been kind. We have been envious and boastful. We have been arrogant and rude. We do insist on our own way. We are irritable and resentful. We do rejoice at wrongdoing. We do fail at loving others, and especially we fail at loving you because we love ourselves most of all, most of the time, more than you and others. And there's lots of other things that we have done against you and others. Please forgive us. And as you heard earlier in the service, during our time of confession, God tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is love. And he forgives our sins, not because we deserve it or because we love him. He does it for Jesus' sake because he loved us and sent his son, Jesus, to be the propitiation for our sins. For all of the times that we've failed to love, for all the times that we failed to be patient and kind and forgiving and humble and selfless, for all the times we've failed to live up to God's standards, and for all of the punishment that we deserve because of it, for all of the suffering that belongs to us, the death that we deserve, the hell that we should receive, God said, I love you, and I'm going to bear it for you. Jesus took it all on the cross for us. Our suffering, our punishment, our death, our hell for us because he loves us because we don't love him as we should and because it was the only way and his resurrection from the dead proved that his sacrifice was acceptable to God that his death was enough for God to give us forgiveness and eternal life by grace the things that we don't deserve through faith for Jesus's sake and it's nothing we've done. It's all that what God has done for us because of his great love for us. Jesus, the bridegroom, lays down his life for his bride, the church. That's you and me so that we can be welcomed into the marriage feast in his kingdom in heaven that has no end. So where do we go from here? Well, let's go back to love. And let's re replace the word love 
with Jesus. Where there is Jesus, there is life. Jesus did say to Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There are not many paths to heaven. There is only one, and it goes through Jesus. All you need is Jesus, but a little chocolate now and then doesn't hurt. True enough. Jesus is someone you find, or Jesus isn't someone you find. Jesus is someone that finds you. Well, that certainly fits into the parable of the lost sheep where Jesus, the shepherd, goes and searches for his one lost sheep in order to bring it safely home. Jesus has nothing to do with what he is expecting to get, only what he is expecting to give, which is everything. Jesus gave up everything, his very life for us, in his death on the cross, so that we could have everything eternal life by grace through faith. And now to 1 Corinthians. Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus does not envy or boast. In fact, we boast in Jesus. He is not arrogant or rude. He does not insist on his own way. He actually submitted to the Father's way when he went to the cross. He is not irritable or resentful. Jesus does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. He is the truth. Jesus bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Jesus never ends. So now faith, hope, and Jesus abide these three, but the greatest of these is Jesus. And it is Jesus who will help us love like him because he first loved us. And he is at work in our lives to be patient and kind, to believe and to endure. And he never gives up on us, his bride, the church, for better or for worse, because his love for us never ends, because he never ends. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.